Biathlon is a unique Olympic event. It challenges participants with opposing athletic endeavors in a singular competition. It combines the heart-pumping aerobic aspects of cross-country skiing, matched with the intense focus of precision marksmanship. Two diametrically opposing forces testing every ounce of physical and mental strength of athletes. Welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. With each episode, Heartbeat brings you insights into this fascinating sport. A big happy holidays from all of us at U.S. Biathlon, and thank you for joining us in this latest episode of Heartbeat. If you're a world-class winter sports athlete, you've learned that you have to be dynamic around the holidays. This week on Heartbeat, we catch up with biathlete Kelsey Dickinson from her home base at Craftsbury Nordic Center, competing in biathlon trials events that will ultimately determine where she spends her holidays this year. Dickinson is coming off an early season swing on the IBU Cup through Sweden and Norway, and then a few weeks back home before heading out on the tour again. Kelsey Dickinson has had a fascinating pathway in the sport. When she was just six years old, Dickinson's family followed friends from Park City, Utah, up to Winthrop, Washington in the Metal Valley. Their new home was a burgeoning Nordic center, with young Kelsey finding a pathway in cross-country skiing while discovering shooting as well. Her career took her to Junior Olympics, on to Sun Valley, and eventually recruited by Chad Samla to ski for St. Scholastica in Duluth. All along the way, she kept her eye on biathlon and ultimately moved into the sport full-time after college. Our Heartbeat interview with Kelsey Dickinson provides a fascinating look into the life of an athlete following her dreams in sport. Now let's join Kelsey Dickinson from Craftsbury on Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. Kelsey Dickinson, welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. Great to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Tom, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Now, I know I appreciate you taking time today. It's been a busy day. You actually are racing. You're out at Craftsbury right now and uh, in the middle of your IBU Cup trials. And uh, how is how are things going out at Craftsbury for you? Good. Um, we just had the first day of racing. Craftsbury always puts on a great you know, race. The snow, the skiing was terrific. Um, the grooming was amazing. It was a beautiful day. Um, you know, probably temperatures in like the mid-20s and sunny, not a lot of wind. Um, so it couldn't have asked for better conditions. Um, I had, I had a very solid race. I was very happy with it. Um, especially after coming off of two weeks in Europe, um, and, you know, needing some time to recover from that. So I'm happy that I feel like I've bounced back. Now you're bouncing around a little bit right now. You just spent the, uh, first couple of weeks of the season on the IBU cup over in Europe. You're back at Craftsbury for the trials, uh, no going home to Washington for Christmas. Uh, hopefully you're going to be spending your Christmas over in Europe, right? Yeah. The plan tentatively is to go to, to Ramsau in, in Austria, um, for Christmas, but yeah, it's hard to get home, um, back to the Metau. It's a bit of a, bit of a travel in the wrong direction, <laughs> Well, it's a nice basic craft spray, and I know it's worked out well for a lot of the U.S. biathlon athletes. Uh, let's talk first about your goals and ambitions for this season. Uh, this is an Olympic year, and everyone has different levels of expectations and ambitions, but how did you approach this 2021-22 season in terms of your goals and things that you anticipate accomplishing this season? Yeah, you know, I think this season when I when I approached setting goals, um, 
I focused a little bit less on my objective goals and a little more on my process goals um, and just tried to bring things back to what I enjoyed about the sport and how I felt like I could grow in it. Um, you know, I, I've coming off of the last two years, having a pretty significant back injury that um, prevented me from training and competing at a very high level. And so, you know, just being able to race a little bit last year, given the pandemic, given my injury was, was more than I ever could have expected. And so this year coming into it, I just wanted to, you know, try and build back, but build back even better um, than I had before and really use this as an opportunity to see what I could do um, and not take anything for granted and just kind of aspire to be the best biathlete that I could be. When you talk about process goals, Kelsey, how does that overlay into your ultimate objective goals and how, I mean, how do you make those two work together? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really easy to get caught into thinking about certain races and certain, I mean, to be fair, yes, being a, a high-level athlete means that you need to perform well at certain times. Um, but I think for me, if I'm doing the things right and at the right time, then the rest will kind of take care of itself. Um, so sure, like I definitely have the goal of making the Olympic team this year. I uh, really would like to race a World Cup. I'm I'm getting, I've gotten close a number of times and have still yet to do that. Um but process goals for me look like, all right, like where can I improve? You know, where, like, how can I make my shooting time faster? How can I bring, you know, last year, my goal was to be an 80% shooter in this year. It's like, all right, how can I, what can I do to be a 90% shooter? And looking at those details that when they all come together, that's what gets you to those, you know, race benchmarks that you're looking for. When you look back at your results uh, uh, over the years, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of getting to the the importance of shooting, the importance of skiing, and how you create that balance, but what have been the things that have made the biggest difference for you when you've had success in the past? Has it been your shooting? Has it been your skiing? Or has it been the good combination of the two of them on a given day? I think it's always it always kind of is dynamic, like we joke in the biathlon world that sometimes when you're skiing really well, you're not shooting very well and vice versa. Um, I think historically I've been able to, um, kind of rely on my shooting. It's been consistent. I feel like I've always been a pretty, pretty fast shooter, although I've been working to be even faster. Um, and, uh, I, I feel like while I might not always be the best shooter in training, I have a good sort of execution mode, um, that I can find for races. Let's talk about your career and just to preview it a little bit. It, it, it's it's fascinating to look at what your pathway has been. You grew up in the Meadow Valley in Washington, one of the great hotbeds for for skiing in America. You went on to the program in Sun Valley. You ended up at St. Scholastica College in Duluth, another great ski program. And now you're basing out of Craftsbury. So you've been able to hit some of these really great places during your career. But let's go back to the beginning. And how did you first get into skiing back in Washington? Um, well, I think it was primarily daycare um, or childcare for my parents. Like they they would, I remember being, you know, I was like five. They, I don't think the Nordic team really had a program for, they do now for like kids that young, but it kind of started for myself and a couple of my friends. We would just get dropped off there and our snowsuits and our skis. And we, you know, we would just ski. Um, so that's kind of when I started skiing. Uh, and, you know, my parents have always really loved skiing. Um, we moved to the Metau because, um, of Sean and Laura McCabe, who are really dear friends of my parents. And 
um, they had said like, look, you know, coming, I was born in Salt Lake city. Um, we were living in park city and they're like, look, this is going to be a really amazing place to raise your kids. Um, you should come here. So, so that's sort of how I started skiing. And then being part of the Nora team was just like what we did, you know, it was just kind of like an expectation. Um, I can't say that I really liked it. I was actually really slow. I was actually a really, I was the back of the pack. I was very competitive and I did not like being last in every race, but I was certainly last in in most races, but getting to have role models like Sadie Bjornsson and Casey Coots and, you know, and Eric and, you know, just other people around me, I feel like I had a really good peer group of people that were a little bit older than me and my same age that were really into it. So by the time I became a J2 and we started going to ski camp in the summer, that's when it clicked for me. And I was like, I want to be good at this. This is what I want to do. Um, and so then it kind of took off from there. You know, as you look back on it now and you've gotten a little bit older, one of the things for me that really uh, makes some of these places around America so distinctive over time, and I look back to Putney, Vermont, back many years ago, Sun Valley is another example, these places where there is this amazing culture for Nordic skiing. And that really is what grew up in the Meadow Valley, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's just a lot of um, really strong skiers there and people that are really invested in the community. We don't really have, you know, a local Alpine Hill. So it's, it, and, but in the trail network, there's amazing. Like I can't think of anything else I would want to be doing even now, like, <laughs> like skiing in the Metau is my, is my happy place. So I think having a lot of families, you know, having that kind of critical mass of families that weren't really, it wasn't, it wasn't a competitive thing. It was just like, this is what, this is what we do after school. You know, it's not like, I think I'm lucky. I feel lucky that it, it wasn't something that I was needing to do to be good at initially. It was just for fun. We, you know, we would build jumps, you know, like Flash Clark would, we just go out with a, with a shovel and just, you know, we wouldn't even ski that day. We would just go off jumps. And, but then I learned how to be really comfortable on my skis. We would do downhill practice. You know, it was, it was just a very, it was about loving the sport and having it be sort of a life, a, a lifestyle sport. And you actually got into biathlon while you were there. And I know your range may not be that sophisticated, but it was functional and it was enough to get you into the sport and understand shooting. Yeah, the range has definitely come a, a long way now. There, um, Betsy actually has a, oh, I'm going to, it's a, at least eight to 12 point range now at the local high school. Um, she That was a big project that her and Casey did. Um, to get that going. But when I was there, when I first started doing biathlon, it was like Saturday or Sunday, you know, we would, we would all trek out there. We would have to fill all our sled, like these sleds up and pull them out to the range and set them up. It took, you know, it took most of the day to do a biathlon practice. Um, but it was just fun. I just remember like having snowball fights and, um, and I just, I did it because I wanted to hang out with my friends. You know, it wasn't a very intense environment, which I also kind of liked. Um, yeah, so being able to just being I think the Metau has done a really good job of a lot of creating a space where people can do both, where you can ski and then also learn the skills of biathlon on the side, because I think that really is valuable later and um, later in your career. So as your competitive career progressed, you ended up at Sun Valley for a few years. And how did how did you land there? And what did that add to your pathway? Yeah, I think that, you know, there was another um, another girl on the team that the year before or a couple years before had done the same thing where she did her part of her senior year in Sun Valley, um, I think just to like ski with a different, with a, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say more competitive club, but I think at the time maybe they were having a little bit 
they had a, a larger critical mass of girls skiing that were doing really well. And, you know, I, I was a moody high schooler. I wanted to like do something different. So I, I decided I wanted to do that as well. And, and that was sort of at the time where I was starting to have better results. And really, I really wanted to kind of go somewhere and feel like I was really starting to do something for um, my skiing competitively. Um, and, you know, and I, I didn't do biathlon. They didn't have any support to do biathlon. Um, and at that time I was just sort of like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to end up doing biathlon. I just want to ski. I want to be a really good skier. And I got a lot better. I like showed up by far the slowest person there and then just kind of worked really hard and started having some good results as a junior that I hadn't really had before. Um, and so I ended up staying there for most of, for my senior year. I went, I actually ended up going home to graduate um, from my local high school just because I wanted to graduate from there. But I, I went back then the next year for a postgraduate year because I um, ended up, well, I, it's a long story, but I ended up having a concussion right when I was supposed to decide when I was going to college and couldn't. And so um, ended up just being, I had been considering a gap year and I was like, oh, I'll just take that. Uh, and then at the end of that gap year, I got really bad compartment syndrome and had to have surgery. And after I had surgery and I was at home recovering, I got real. I was really bored because I couldn't really do anything. Um, and I decided to start shooting just for fun to like entertain myself. <laughs> and we had a biathlon target in the backyard of when we wouldn't go to the range out in Mazama, we had just one target in the backyard of a friend's house. And so I would just go there with Betsy and just shoot. And, and then I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll actually try and do biathlon, you know, this year. And that was, I had decided to go to Sklaska and I knew Chad was, would be supportive of that. Um, and so I was made the goal of making world juniors that year. Um, and I didn't, um, actually make world juniors. Make world juniors with cross country or biathlon? Biathlon, you know. But after I, cause I had surgery in the spring of 2012 and then I went to school in that fall. Um, and I was shooting all summer because I couldn't, you know, because I didn't have a lot else to do given how the, cause I had all eight of my compartments released. And so then, yeah, I was like, Oh, I'll try and make world juniors for biathlon that year. What, what prompted your initial decision to go to St. Scholastica in Duluth, Minnesota, long ways from home? Yeah. Well, I was always planning on, you know, I mean, Washington doesn't really have a, I think Walla Walla used to have a, um, or Whitman used to have a cross country program, but that had gone um, defunct by the time I was um, wanting to ski in college. And I knew I wanted to ski in college. And when I was in Sun Valley, it was sort of like everyone was going out east. Everyone was looking at the Ivy League schools like Dartmouth and Middlebury and Bates. And um, and I, I was too. But then I had Brian and Caitlin Gregg sit me down and they were like, look, you need to look at the Midwest. It's really growing. It's a really good place. You're going to get a lot of support. Um, the racing opportunities are awesome. And the Midwest is just a really, it's a really cool place to be a skier. And I was like, okay, sure. So my dad and I went on a college tour, you know, we went to all the places and I just like, I really connected with Chad. Um, and that was one of the other things Brian and Caitlin had told me was they're like, Chad has a really up and coming program. You really want to be a part of it. And I really connected with Chad. I really connected with the team. They just immediately made me feel like one of them. Um, and you know, I just, I felt like at home there, you know? And so then I decided to go to Scholastica, you know, after some, after all applications and decision-making and all that. And, um, I have to say, I'm very happy with that decision. And the, I fell in love with the Midwest. Like, I'm so happy I got to live in Duluth for, you know, almost six years on and off. And 
I just couldn't have imagined not having that experience in my life. Being a native Midwesterner myself, I, I know what you're talking about. And it's it, the, the, the culture for Nordic sport, it's just rampant there, isn't it? Everywhere you go. Yeah, I mean, I remember going to watch like a JV um, high school race, you know, and I, where I grew up, it was all club racing. We didn't really have like Oregon had their own kind of high school program, but but we didn't have any high school racing um, outside of our clubs. And I remember going to a JV race and it was like not even groomed. There was no markings, you know, and they're just kids like racing in jeans, you know, and cotton sweatshirts. And I was like, this is like, this is what skiing is about. This is what it should be. It's just anyone can do it. You know, it's everyone was doing it. It wasn't, it wasn't just for like the dorky kids. Like it, <laughs> you know, like that had been, I felt like at times when I was going to high school. So, um, yeah, it was really special to see that. Yeah. It is really a way of, it is really a way of life there. Was, was Chad then influential in eventually maybe pointing you a little bit more towards biathlon after college? Um, well, so Chad was my coach, for like the well, I, you know, I, I actually ended up taking uh, a little bit of time off in the middle of college to pursue biathlon. Um, and Chad was my coach for the first part of that. And then when I came back, Maria Stuber had taken over. So I kind of had two different college coaches. And I think though, the thing that they both did was they they supported me um, to do biathlon on the because it meant, you know, sometimes I had to miss college races. And if I was you know, it's a lot to ask a coach to let one of your scoring athletes just go off and do something else. Um, but they, Chad has always, you know, and he did this with Paul too. He's always playing the, he saw, he had such a vision for the long game. Like he, he knew that he could have sure done something different with our training that might've made us faster in the moment, but then burned us out later. And, and I remember having a conversation with him where he was like, look, like I wanted to, to set you up with the development you needed so that you could be successful after this. Cause he saw that I wanted to do that. And then similarly with Maria, she was just unwaveringly supportive of me during some very challenging times where I was trying to pursue biathlon and it wasn't going very well at times. Um, you know, and she, she just was kind of like, we're going to, we're going to get through this. We're going to do it. And then she ultimately is the one that, um, pushed me to come to Craftsbury for the summer before my senior year of college. Um, I joined the team and that's when I really connected with Craftsbury and the community and decided that I wanted to come here after college. How long have you been at Craftsbury now? That's a great question. I started here well, I was here the summer of 2017 and then I started full-time the spring of 2018 so that so was, I feel like with COVID, I'm just have no sense of time. Is that it's like, <laughs> it's like, this will be my fourth year. Yeah. It's, I mean, the number of years isn't so important, but what I wanted to get to is, and again, what we talked about earlier with the culture in the Metro Valley, you have a really amazing culture at Craftsbury, particularly for a biathlon. It's been a little bit of a melting pot for different athletes to come together. You had a great program during COVID. You were able to keep something going. How important has that been to you as an athlete making her way up to the top uh, to have a home like that where you have other athletes and facilities to really help your development? I mean, I wouldn't be doing biathlon if I wasn't here. Um, I mean, financially, it's very challenging um, to support yourself. And I don't know how I could have done it otherwise. Um, so I'm very grateful that I can be here. And also, I think it's really important, especially when you're a developing athlete kind of on and off the bubble. And, you know, you make some trips, you don't make others. It's really easy to get roped into thinking that your self-worth depends on 
if you're making teams or not. And to have a home base where it doesn't, where they're going to support you regardless of how you're performing and they, you know, they, they believe in you is super empowering. Um, so I think that having this really awesome training group, having the rowing team and the cross country team and the biathlon team and having a lot of athletes working really hard towards different, but also common goals, I think for me is super exciting. Cause I'm, I'm all about team. Like I, I just, nothing gets me more fired up than, than feeling really supported by my teammates and being able to support them. So. Yeah, you make some really good points about it. I want to talk about the uh, IBU Cup. And for those who may not be familiar with it, can can you give us just an initial description of the IBU Cup, the importance of it, and how it fits into the overall world of biathlon competition? Yeah, I would say it's a little misleading because it's called the IBU Cup, and the World Cup is called the BMW IBU World Cup. So people often get a little bit confused. Um, but my, you know, my, how I would describe it is it's basically a tier of racing that goes on right below the world cup. Um, that is kind of the feeder for world for the world cup. Um, so athletes are often going up and down, um, depending on results. And it's a way for kind of developing athletes to, to kind of start racing, get some experience and then be able to transition more seamlessly into the world to world cup racing. Um, the level of competition is incredibly high. Oftentimes people who are in the top 10 on the IBU cup will go and be in the top 10 on the world cup the next weekend. Um, and the depth of, especially it's, it seems like even in the last like two years, the depth of competition has really increased, um, for that, you feel like, like what I feel like a good race for me now, it, it doesn't necessarily, uh, guarantee like you're going to be in the top 10 or something. Um, so it's, I think it's just really a testament to, to the level of competition and the depth that I've seen. Um, just in the, you know, I, I've been, I think the first IBU cup trip I qualified for was maybe in 2015 or 16. Um, and just since then, I feel like it's really the level of competition has come up a lot. Is there anything that you can attribute that to? Is this just indicative that the sport is just getting bigger and deeper across the board? Yeah, and I feel like smaller nations are starting to do better. Um, and then the bigger powerhouse nations, yeah, I think just the level as a whole has really increased. Uh, I mean, it's always been at a really high level. Don't get me wrong. It's not to devalue where um, biathlon has been in the past, but I just think that the yeah, just the depth of it is just really increasing. Um, and you see a lot more younger athletes just, you know, that's where they, they're, they're coming in really, really fast, really successful, but the national teams will sometimes keep them down from the world cup just so they can get a little more experience. So I think you get a little more of that where you have, have like major talent that's sort of being cultivated before they're kind of thrown to the wolves. Um, and so you, you see some of that too. (laughs) What is life like on the tour? You've just come back from two weeks. I think you had stops in Sweden and Norway on that trip. But what is life like on the tour? Um, it's sort of like a traveling circus is probably the best way. It's the most, it is the most a traveling circus when we're all in the airport trying to get on the same flight. And there's just 50 people, you know, from like every team is there and you're just, you know, everyone, you know, it's like, you see everyone, you're like, here we go again. So I, that's sort of, and you've all I got like, 10 bags. Yeah, exactly. It's always a mess. But, um, I, you know, especially because I've been more consistently on the IBU cup now, 
um, like this, this year going to Sweden, especially after last year being a little bit, um, truncated with COVID, I just felt like I was seeing all my friends again. You know, I just like, you start to recognize more people. Um, and, and then you start, I think in the last few years, we've really made an effort to become friends with other teams and talk to other women and just, and I know the men are too, and just like create some connections because I think it's a little hard when we're not, we're not always consistently over there. Like we missed the third IBU cup um, and we're traveling from a lot farther. So we're not over there in the summer and just trying to create relationships, I think is really important. So I feel like now I know a lot of people from a lot of different teams um, and I've become pretty close with, with some of them. And that's been really, really fun to get to see all your friends over in Europe. (laughs) This might be a difficult or a subjective question, but do you feel that there's a growing respect for the biathlon program in America as you you relate to friends from other nations and they watch what we're trying to do here in America with the sport? Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, for good or for bad, I think a lot of that actually, I mean, we've had better results for one, but I think our, our sponsorship um, by Maloya, our partnership with Maloya has really, transform the image of the team. Um, we went from kind of, I don't know, it, it, it just, I've been, I've made a lot of connections with people based on the fact that I'm, you know, sponsored by Maloya when, you know, when we're over there. Um, and that was something that I never really had before. So I think that's been a, a big benefit of that relationship. Um, but I also think we're doing a lot better. Like two years ago, we had someone in the flowers every weekend for the first half of the season. So I think we're definitely getting a lot more respect. You're seeing, you know, we're having good results on the, on the world cup. And I think people see, I think people are understanding that we're a small nation or we're, we're a small program, but we're able, we're increasingly able to produce results with, with less resources. Um, and I think that that's garnered a lot of respect. Well, I love the point that you've made there. And and I think just as a little bit of an outside observer with the Maloya partnership now for the last couple of years, you really look like a team. You look like a great team. I mean, everybody looks uniform there. You know, it's a great program. And I think partnerships like that really do tend to bring people together and build respect, as you said. Yeah, I, I think that it just, it's really cool to see your teammates out there and not just have it be like the adidas kit that like everyone has you know it's just like it's something that's unique which i think is really cool cool Uh, i want to move into a little bit of a different territory Uh, you have uh, your philosophy major and you have also been very engaged in sports psychology and the mental aspects of sport how important is that i think particularly with a sport like biathlon where i think as spectators we can see how important it is that you have a good mindset but tell us a little bit about your emphasis on sports psychology and how that's helped you as an athlete yeah, I mean, I think it's great that you bring this up. I think that the mental aspect of sport and is very important in biathlon, but very important in all sport. And I think the work that I've done on my mental health, you know, with sports psychology, you know, both performance related and just life related has been probably the best thing I've done for my career. Um, so I think it's incredibly important. I'm really happy to see that more and more athletes are speaking up about the importance of it. And it's getting more, more national attention. Um, because I, you know, I look back at the athlete I was when I was younger and I sort of, I, you know, I'm like, I wish I had learned all this sooner because I feel like I could have 
avoided a lot of suffering that was kind of unnecessary. If I had just, you know, had a little bit more self-compassion or the ability to have a little bit of space and not get too attached to results and too attached to things. Um, so I think that it's been a really big gift to get to work on that. Cool. The other area I know you've been very active in is women and coaching. And this is something that those of us who've worked in ski sport for many years, we know that it continues to be a very big issue. Tell us a little bit about your work with women and coaching and what you see in the future and how you can maybe impact that. Yeah, I think that um, getting more women into coaching um, and skiing, and you know, this could be alpine, biathlon, cross country, snowboard, even, you know, I, I mean, just more women in coaching is incredibly important to elevate sport as a whole. Because, you know, we've seen, you know, there's been a lot of studies done in business showing that having women, women's voices and women that aren't afraid to speak up that are sharing their opinions just elevates it, the, the industry as a whole. So, um, I, with my former college coach, Maria Stuber, we started this organization called the Women's Ski Coaches Association. And our mission is um, to recruit, um, develop, advance, and retain women in ski positions of ski coaching leadership. And I just, you know, I think, I think for me as a young female athlete, I grew up, I moved into a sport where there just weren't a lot of women um, in any roles in coaching and support roles. And And not that any, there's nothing wrong with any of the men that were there, but I just think I would have really benefited from having another woman there to, you know, to like show me that I could do it um, and like to help support me. Cause I think that there's some cultural things in skiing that we really need to, to fix. And I think that having more women um, in that space is going to help balance things out a bit. Um, So I just think it's one of the most important things. And I have a lot of friends now, you know, a lot of teammates that are moving on from their competitive careers and they're taking on coaching roles. And I just want to help them succeed um, and give them the support that they need to be the best coaches that they can be. And I, I feel like this organization, we've been able to start doing that. And it's been really cool to see the support that we've gotten um, even just in the first few years that we've been, been going. Um, so yeah. Is it a bit of a kind of a recruitment and advocacy outreach? Uh, is that the primary thrust of this now? Yeah. I mean, we sort of, we have a lot of buckets we call them. So, um, like right now we have a gender equity proposal that we're working on with us ski and snowboard to, um, reach uh, sort of equal quotas on, uh, for like volunteer positions on trips and camps, um, for women, and then on the other hand, we're doing educational stuff. We're having, you know, we've had a couple webinars now that have been successful. Um, and, you know, we have some other projects coming down the pipeline that are geared towards, you know, develop like career development opportunities and networking. Um, so I think we're trying to, you know, we're not trying to focus on one area. We're trying to see the whole spectrum of where, you know, the top, top down, bottom up kind of um, advocacy, how that can help. Kelsey, if someone wants to get involved to help you, or if there's a female coach who wants to find a pathway, is there a place that you can direct them to get more information or to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, we have a website. Um, it's called womenskeecoaches.org. 
And you can email us at womenskeecoaches at gmail.com. Um, I run the, the email most of the time, so <laughs> you'll probably be hearing from me. And, uh, you know, we have membership tiers, um, for, but we don't want cost to be a barrier for anyone trying to get support. So um, that's another great thing that they can, that anyone can reach out to us about. Um, but the, you know, have, buying into the membership allows us to do our programming and, um, you know, send out content um, to our members. Cool. And for those of you listening to the podcast and don't have the ability to write down the address right now, we'll put this into the show notes and you can find that at usbiathlon.org. We're going to move into our final segment now. It's a little section that we call On Target with a few uh, questions to learn a little bit more about you and what you like, Kelsey. Uh, first of all, a simple question I ask everybody. You as an athlete have had an opportunity to go to venues all over the country and all over the world. Do you have one venue that really sticks in your mind as a real favorite to you? Maybe it's because you got a good pizza there or maybe you had a great result but one venue that's really a favorite for you i would say that has to be shushin norway um that's where i had my first ibu cup podium uh back in 2019 and i've also had some of the worst races of my life there so it's just been a very memorable place and it's always really cozy and it's right before christmas so um i just have really great um, some really great memories about being there that's a great little town. That's not too far from Lillehammer, right? No, it's just like 20, 15, 20 minutes, you know, up the road. Uh, and then you, as, as, as an athlete, I know you travel a lot and you've had an opportunity to see a lot of places around the world, but if you set biathlon and ski competition aside, do you have a favorite place that you've either been to or you would love to go to? Well, <laughs> And my teammates will all laugh at me. My favorite place in the world is definitely the Metau, <laughs> um, which it's cool that you can say that about your hometown and specifically the Metau in the winter, I would say. Um, it's a pretty special place. But, oh, man, I have a, a long bucket list of places I want to go. Um, I really enjoy backcountry skiing and rock climbing. So I think I'd love to actually go on vacation to like the Alps or some of these places that we go and we're just down in the valley and you look up at the mountains and you're like, man, wouldn't it be nice to go ski there? Um, and you know, I would love to visit places like Iceland or, um, South America and get to do some traveling and see different cultures down there. You know, you bring up a good point as an athlete, you get to go to these amazing places, but you oftentimes don't have time to do kind of the fun things you'd really like to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's lots of times where I'm like, man, I have to go sit in the hotel room and recover instead of like going on a hike up a beautiful mountain or something. So, yeah. So I know that art is really important to you. Do you have any art project that's really memorable or special to you that you've been involved with? I really enjoy block printing. Art helps make me feel connected to, um, a family friend of ours who passed away, who was my art teacher in high school, Sean McCabe. Um, and he was a really big influence on my life. And so, and block printing was one of the things that he taught us. So I always really enjoy the time I get to do that. I like to make cards, um, which then helps me feel connected to the people I love that I can send them, you know, cards that I made. Uh, it's a little hard to take all of that on the road. So I usually try and just bring some drawing or <laughs> colored pencils with me. But, um, I think having a creative outlet is really important. Um, if you're a creative person or just having an outlet in general, that's not, um, specifically sport related when you're on the road is really important. 
And then lastly, you're involved in biathlon right now. You've been an athlete all of your life. If you had to sum up what biathlon and what being an athlete means to you in just one word, what would that be? I thought a lot about this and I could think of a lot of sentences, <laughs> but no sentences allowed. I, <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that the word that really kind of sticks out to me is teacher because I feel like biathlon has both taught me a lot about life, but also been the vehicle for which I, through which I have learned a lot about myself and been able to mature and become more self-aware. And, and I think I, you know, I, I'm glad that I've had the experiences that I've had doing biathlon because I think they've made me more of a compassionate person. Um, and so I, I'm happy to have had that gift. And then one last thing, it's the holiday season. Would you like to just send a holiday greeting out to all of the fans of the U.S. biathlon team here on Heartbeat? Of course. Happy holidays, everyone. I hope that you all have snow wherever you are and that you have a wonderful, um, you know, holiday season and new year. Kelsey Dickinson, thank you so much. It has been a joy to talk to you here on Heartbeat. All the best to you this holiday season and throughout the entire ski season coming up ahead. Thanks, Tom. Kelsey Dickinson is a great example of a young athlete following her passion. She's come a long way from Washington's Metal Valley, traveling the world with the U.S. biathlon team. Oh, and by the way, she was successful in qualifying for the next segment of the IBU Cup and the final Olympic qualifying events to be held in Arbor, Germany, just after New Year's. So she's now off to Europe for Christmas, Olympic trials, and the IBU Cup once again. We hope you're enjoying Heartbeat as we tell the stories of remarkable young athletes like Kelsey Dickinson. On behalf of the entire U.S. biathlon team, happy holidays and thanks for your support of America's Biathletes. Remember to subscribe to Heartbeat to get every episode delivered directly to you. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Happy holidays and thanks for listening to Heartbeat.